Spurs podcast. We're here uh, to discuss a lot of things this evening. Feeling like we're going to have a very, very interesting uh, podcast based off of what has happened in the past week. Um, lots of things to review, lots of things to preview. Can't really waste any time today uh, because we do have a full house this evening as well. Austin and Chris are joining me uh, tonight. Austin, uh, I feel like I keep asking you how you're doing, and uh, it hasn't been improving over the past couple of weeks, but I'm going to go back at it. How are you doing tonight? It'd be a lot better if I could watch us play a league game again. Ooh, that'd be nice. Hey, yeah, that's true. I, I think you're about uh, about 15 and a half hours away from that happening, hopefully. So, Chris, how are oh. you? you in the same mood? I'm really tired. Watch a league game? And, yes, I, I would love to – Wake up and know I'm going to actually get to see Spurs play instead of worrying whether or not it's going to get uh, canceled and we're going to have six games in hand. That'd be when, wonderful. When was, when was the last league game we played? Uh, yeah, it's a, actually a halfway decent question because I don't remember. Um, I think it's two, two and a half weeks ago, maybe? I gotcha. Hold on. Hold on. I gotcha. I'm checking. It was before. Checking. It was before the first leg of the Chelsea game. Uh, fixture. Watford on January first. I was gonna say Watford. Was it January first? January first. That was Watford. Two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. Since then, it's been the two legs against Chelsea, and then Morecambe in the middle, and then should have been a North London derby. And now we've got uh, Leicester tomorrow at 1:30. 17 days. Nice little winter break, huh? Yeah. An international break before our international break. Exactly. Well, let's uh, we we have a lot to talk about. Like I said, let's jump straight into this Chelsea uh, semifinal second le- second leg review here. Um, man, that fixture seems like a lifetime ago. It was about seven days ago. That lineup that came out, Austin. Uh, I know you were pretty vocal. You and Chris, uh, Chris went to bat for Galini uh, in our WhatsApp chat prior to the start of the match. Uh, but y'all are both pretty vocal in your thoughts on the lineup, Austin. Uh, care to uh, share your thoughts on that, that that lineup heading into the match? Why are we starting Doherty at left wing back? I'll just, I'll just, I will just begin and end it right there. I can talk about the rest of the lineup all you want, but for me, Sessignon's on the bench. Um, why, why are we starting Doherty at left wing back? I mean, to me, that just kind of that just kind of um, sends a signal to Conte's intent in that match, you know, not really being too aggressive. Uh, I mean, that's all I can say. Why are, why are we starting him there? Why are we starting him? Period. Let alone <laughs> at left wing back out of position where he has no pace to get around anybody. He's going to cut inside and do fuck all. 
all match long. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just stop right there since we're since we're short on time today. Yeah, you guys remember how excited we were for the Darty uh, uh purchase that summer? Yes. <laughs> I was cautiously uh, optimistic. I was never excited. I mean, we were pretty ex- like okay, you're right. It wasn't like uh, in Dombele signing, but we were pretty excited about like this the attacking right back, right wing back fit that we. Thought I was we hoping he would make Surge better, and then we sold Surge. <laughs> That's what I, yeah, I think that's what we were all looking for is Serge would get some competition and it would make him better. And now Serge is gone and I don't want Darty anywhere near the club. Uh, I would rather he pick up the towels and bring the team water. Side note, did you, did you all see that Serge played, had to play goalkeeper for about two minutes of a, of a match in the international duty this Look, past weekend? Duty, man, you got to yeah. do it. You got to step in the goal. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, uh, quickly, not we're going to get off the topic a few times probably this podcast, but uh, what are your thoughts? How do you think Serge Aria would fit in this, uh, this Antonio Conte system? Oh, he would be gangbusters. Are you kidding yeah. me? He's Doesn't have to defend great. much. Can just bomb up that wing, play tricky one-twos with Lucas. He's got a good cross yeah. on him. He could score a goal. He would be gangbusters for Conte right now. I mean, come on. Yeah, Conte would love to have a Serge Aurier in his in his lineup right now. It would be great. And I mean that would be with him and Emerson, we'd have a defensive right wing back and an attacking right wing back. So oh, yeah. options. Serge would be and Serge would be loving it because it's Conte. So yeah. Well, and everyone loves Serge on the team. Yeah. He was a great character yeah. in, the, in the locker room, you know. What a what a we sold the wrong wrong right back in the summer boys. <laughs> <laughs> We let go of the wrong right back in the summer. Yeah, that we did. That that we did. And Conte probably uh, came in and was like, Where, "Wait, where'd my Serge go?" Yeah. Wait, Serge Aurier was yeah. here when I left. <laughs> uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on the lineup? Anything else you want to add other than uh, Darty at left wing back? Uh, no. I I think. Wait, who else started in that match? Because that's all I can remember. Okay, starting lineup from the game match, so we can look back through it for, our, for us, was uh, Galini in goal, uh, Emerson at, at the right wing back, Darty on the left, uh, Tanganga at right center back, Sanchez in the middle, Davies on the left center back. Um, depending on where you're looking, it looked like either I'm a pivot of Winks and Hoybier, or some places have it as a three-man midfield with LaCelso, Winks, and Hoybier. And then Kane and Lucas up top. I think what we all kind of saw more than anything was Kane to the center, LaCelso up on that right wing where no one likes him. Uh, and Winston Hoybier playing the pivot more than anything, I guess, is what we saw. So, I mean, the other thing we could talk about is Sanchez in the middle just does not work, right? No. Can, can no. we agree on this? Colin, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know I've been very vocal about this. I can't wait to get Dyer and Romero back. Oh my god. <laughs> no one can. No one no can one wait. Sanchez yeah, looks just... decent on the right where he can just man mark somebody, but in the middle our whole defense just falls apart. And I don't know if it's his fault. It's just not it's just think, not what he was meant to do. I think yeah, the I other think... part of that is um you've said a couple of times Sanchez is not a thinking defender. And when you play in that center of the of the the back three you have to be constantly thinking and being seeing as how Tanganga has not had the greatest couple of matches recently Sanchez having to think and cover for him and play that central role not suiting him 
He needs to be on the right center back where he belongs and nowhere else. <laughs> Is that what you think, Colin? Uh, yeah, and I think even if we had Romero back and not Dyer, like Romero could play the center, the center right. that back better than Sanchez. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I just think so. When I say missing Romero, Romero and Dyer, it's just that one of those two could play it. Hell, I even think Davies could play it. I yeah. think Davies is a, is a pretty good thinker. Uh, that sounds weird to say. I don't know him at all, but wait, uh, wait, wait hold on, hold on, hold on. This is this is State Spurs podcast history. Did you just give Davies a compliment without anybody prompting you for it? You're marked the episode. Yeah, and timestamp this. I never said Davies was dumb. I said it was bad. <laughs> that's a fair I point said, that's a fair point i never said david was an unintelligent player i said he's slow and shouldn't be playing left back in a, in a four at the back system which is true uh, okay, he's a great he's, a great he's great he's great depth but he shouldn't be a starting left back for a top six club in england uh enough, but he's playing he's playing great at left center back uh and he's cemented that spot for me for the rest of the season I think that we'll be shopping for a left center back in the summer. Well, we need uh, depth there, right? We can't be relying on just Daddy Davies staying healthy. Big we'll be re- let me rephrase that. We'll be shop- shopping for a starting left center back in the summer. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so, so not to get too off topic. So, besides yeah, Sanchez in the middle, Galini, huh? we got to talk. We got to talk about Galini and Hugo here. Yes, uh, yes, I, yes. I want to yes. a little bit of time on this. Uh, Austin, I'll head to you here with this question. Conte's thoughts on starting Galini in the second leg. Uh, when he started Hugo in the first leg, it's kind of uh, just confuses me a little bit. Uh, what, what do you? What, what's your take on this? I don't have a take. I, I really, I really can't make heads or tails of it because it's a semifinal and he started Hugo in the first leg. So it's like, why are we starting Galini? I mean, I, I honestly hope we don't purchase like trigger the purchase in the summer just because. I don't think he's horrible. I just don't think he's what we need. You know, I don't think he's the heir apparent. Um, and giving him these high-profile matches that mean something. Like, if you want to give him the auto league match, okay. You want to give him a FA Cup match against Morecambe, fine. But this is a semifinal, you know. And um, I, I think he didn't do near enough on the first goal um, in the first leg. Um, and I don't think he he – covered himself in glory in the second leg either and i think um there's a lot of honking going on outside my window sorry um so i'm just puzzled by it but chris you're the goalkeeper so i mean what do you think i and i kind of made this clear it's not that galini is a bad keeper i i really get irked when i see people saying that he's just this awful keeper that we should have nothing to do with um, he's not a bad keeper. He's had some terrible defensive lines playing in front of him um, from everything that he ran into with Nuno's back lines, which no one knew what was going on. And this back line uh, just against Chelsea, not great. And uh, uh, that the one thing I can say about this last match is he came out for a cross that he should have come out for. He waited too long. He didn't get there. He got beat. It happens with keepers. The problem is, oh. if you do that as a keeper, it's a goal. It's and and everyone. So my question, my question on that, Chris, is this: is that Golini's a big guy? He's not the shot stopper that Hugo is, but he's a big commanding goalkeeper. And isn't that what 
you hope you get from a goalkeeper like that is on corners and on crosses. He he claims the box. So, I mean, the fact that his his mistake didn't come from distribution or from you know a lapse in judgment, it came from not being able to command his box on a corner. Oh, no, it absolutely very came simple, from right? a lapse in judgment. It absolutely came from a lapse in judgment. So it was hesitation. He hesitated on the line. Okay. And you can see when the cross comes in, comes swinging in, he thinks one of his center backs is going to get it. And this is where, like, having a clear understanding with your center backs of what you're going to do on corners and how you handle things, like having that clear understanding comes into play big time as a keeper. Is if you play with somebody for a long time, you kind of know they're, when they're going to go for a ball or when you need to come for it. And he misjudged that one. He probably... I. I can tell you right now he probably called for that, but took one little hesitating step where he did just didn't get out there to it fast enough to get a hand on it. And that split second just gave enough time for uh, for Rudiger to get there and just catch it off the back of his head. Because it also comes off the back of Rudiger's oh, head. Oh, yeah. It's it was like not a clean head. header. It was a he doesn't header. get a clean header on that and just nail it past Galini. He comes out to claim it. And it ricochets off the back of his head and goes in. Are so, you taught? Are you taught as goalkeepers like if you don't come off the line immediately, then you you can't come at all. Like you either you either go immediately or you don't yeah, go at all. It's one or the other. You either go now, and if you go, you go full force. You go all the way out with the with a ball like that. He should have absolutely cleared out whoever was in front of him. Uh, and you're right. He's a he's a big guy. He's not small. He should have absolutely cleared out anybody. And that's your own players as well. Anybody that's in your way goes out. Anybody gets nailed. And he didn't do it. He hesitated. So he paid for that with a goal. And then, of course, we didn't have the gumption going forward to get that goal back. So now the one goal that happens in that game came from a goalkeeper error. So now it's glaring. Now you you can't forget about it because it's your mistake that cost the match. So... It's Delini. Right. Yeah, that's that's really all I can put towards it. We got we got, <laughs> we got, got to move on a little bit. We got, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, I, I I do think that that was a mixture of him hesitating, uh, Rudiger getting incredibly lucky with a no look header uh, that hits the top of the crossbar and goes in, or right underneath the top of the uh, right underneath the crossbar and goes in. And then there's some defensive errors there as well. But um, just completely loses them yet yeah, again. Absolutely. I rewatched yeah. this header like four times. It was 400 times. It was ridiculous. Once we go down a goal, I think I know I can't speak for you guys, but I think most Spurs fans uh, yeah, consider it was over. Time over. Um, and, but in in a world where VAR isn't uh, isn't a thing, oh, uh, we are probably going into extra time in that match. Possibly. Uh, obviously, the dynamics of a game change when goals are being scored um, and the pressures put on Chelsea a little bit, but we got to talk about these VAR decisions. Um, who wants to take their first one? Austin, you were pretty adamant on your thoughts on that Rudiger slide tackle uh, on Hoiberg. Uh, you want to go ahead and take the lead on that? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'll, 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 I'll take the lead on this one. I will say that what, what, what you just said, Colin, about with, in a world without VAR, where we, we probably go in an extra time. I don't think that VAR necessarily got any of the objective decisions wrong but it does highlight the fact that Chelsea did not play well in the second leg we arguably played better I don't think we played well enough to win the match by two goals necessarily 
But it just shows that, like, Chelsea are not that amazing. Like, they played pretty shit. They, they drew again today against Brighton and did not look very dangerous. Um, we made them look much better with some just – we gave them two of their three goals. We handed them to them. So I want to say that right off the bat. But with this with this decision, it's really – it really stumps me. And I would – you know, I would love – this is one of these moments I wish I was living back in Dallas and I was back at the pub and Alan was there. You both know Alan. Uh, of Dallas Spurs, who has been a uh, trainer of soccer referees his entire life, basically. And I would love to get his take on this because here's my understanding of what happened. It's a slide tackle in the box. Hoybeer's clear through on goal. And it's rendered a, a decision as a penalty, right? Now, they're not supposed to triple penalize a player that's playing the ball. Rudiger was clearly trying to go after the ball, but he gets none of it, right? So they did away a few years ago. FIFA and UEFA and all the associations, to my knowledge, did away with the triple penalty where you give a penalty, a red card, and then that person is suspended, right? They're triple penalizing a player for trying to make a last-ditch tackle on the ball. Which Rudiger was clearly trying to go for the ball, but it was a shit tackle. He wipes out he wipes out Boybeer, gets nothing on the ball, right? Okay, I'm fine with that. It should still be a yellow card, right? Regardless. So yellow card should come out immediately, right? Here's my thing. They VAR looks at it. It clearly was outside of the box. It was. Hoybeer is doing his best to ride the challenge into the box. It was outside the box. Objectively, that's the right decision. But here's my thinking. Okay, it's outside of the box. Rudiger's still the last defender. Hoybeer's clear through on goal and is about to pull the trigger to shoot. Is Rudiger not the last man back? And outside of the box, if you're last man back and you make a tackle, then you don't get anything on the ball. That's a red card. Right? He escapes with zero cards on that, on that at all. No card. Doesn't even get a yellow card because the referee doesn't immediately hand out a yellow card when he gives the penalty. So he can't give a yellow card on VAR. So because of the shit way that the policies are written where you're not allowed to give a yellow card after looking at, 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 at VAR, Rudiger escapes that with no penalty. And in, it's not like Rudiger knew he was making the challenge outside the box. That could have just as easily, if they were three inches differently situated, been a legit penalty. It was a clear foul. Rudiger was last man back, and he stopped a goal-scoring opportunity. So... My hands are kind of up in the air, like, how is there not a single card on that? Let alone, it, that's borderline a red card offense, right? Yeah, also, uh, Austin and Chris, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Rudiger was already on a yellow card. So he, that should have been a yellow card. And it's, Wait, was I mean, he really? Yeah, he was already on a yellow. Yeah, that would have potentially been a sending off had they had he actually. So, so that's my other thing is they probably didn't immediately show a yellow because he was trying to play the ball and he called a penalty. But if that's not a penalty, if that happens outside of the box and he calls that a a free kick, he immediately shows a yellow card and sends him off. Right? I mean, you can't give no card for that. He stopped a clear and obvious goal scoring opportunity as the last man back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's where I feel like that's. even if it's not a red, it's a yellow. And no world that's not a yellow card, and that's his second yellow, and he's sent off. And then even down and needing to score three goals with, you know, 60 minutes left or, you know, 60-ish minutes left, like, they're down a man. There's there's a little bit of hope. That 1% goes to, like, 10%, you know? And the way we played in the second half, and I understand Chelsea's bench was stacked with depth, and they had tons of 
ways to change the game in formation. Uh, but still, he should have been sent off uh, based on that being a second yellow card. So, anyways, uh, I, I, while we're talking about VAR, we just want to be clear: all of those VAR calls uh, were correct. Neither one of them were penalties. Um, but yeah, that was the most frustrating for sure. Uh, let's go straight to the. We we can talk about the Lucas one. I think that was probably one of the worst calls. Like when I saw it in, in live. Uh, you know, I, when I saw it live, there was not a single part of it that was like penalty. Like mm. the Kane hit the ball too too hard. Lucas couldn't get it, and I I could see Kevin got a touch on it before Lucas got there. So yeah. that that was overtime before they even should a replay. Um, and then the last bar one was uh was probably a kind of dumbfounded a lot of Spurs fans, including myself, for a second. Of like, how is that offside? There's, there's a defender, but it's two, it's two defenders. That's the, that's the law. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the goal until is, I saw the second so. man, until they really showed the VAR, like the zoom out with the second man further back, that's when it all kind of clicked in. Like, oh, crap, I guess it, it is correct. But quick, I can understand quick, how you get confused by that. Quick clarification. Um, Colin, I'm showing here there were zero yellow cards handed out in that, in that match. So I don't think Rudiger uh, was on the yellow. I could have sworn he was. Uh, Maybe I think well, he got a yellow card on the first leg. Oh, okay. Because he had like 17 that, fouls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's still I, should, I, I'm on. I'm on. It's, Regardless, it's, still, it's uh, still a borderline red card offense, but but you're right that none of the VAR decisions were incorrect. The the uh, Kepa clearly got the ball on the first one, and then it, we were just were unlucky that the goalkeeper that Kepa was so out of position that he came up one full step ahead of Kane and uh, and and rendered Kane offsides. Uh, so we're kind of unlucky on that one because I don't think Kepa did that on purpose. No, he absolutely did not. He was in no man's land. <laughs> he was completely lost. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too disappointed with that performance overall. That that second leg. I mean, I know Chelsea probably took their foot off the gas a little bit because they were up three on aggregate. But I, I think that we played pretty well in that second half. Um, all things considered, you know, that that final pass really let us down a few times. I think. Um, it has well, on, a lot on of it has on, a, on another day though i think we could have scored two maybe won the game but but lost the the tie regardless so but you know you, you say chelsea you, you say chelsea took their foot off the gas but i mean in the league they've drawn seven of their last 11 matches i mean they're in pretty shit form they're not playing that well i mean i sent that i sent that image to you guys earlier today that Chelsea, um, and, and I mean, maybe we wanted to just preview the Chelsea match first as way of, you know, um, transition. But, I mean, the last 13 matches in the Premier League, Chelsea have drawn seven and lost two. So they've only won four of their last 13 matches in the Premier League. I mean, it may be that they took their foot off the gas, but that may just be what Chelsea is. I mean, we might just call a spade a spade that – they got to play us when we were decimated, and unlike certain other clubs that were originally from South London but claimed they're a North London club, uh, we actually play our games when we don't have COVID outbreaks. So regardless of our lack of depth, we went went ahead and played our played the game, and um, 
you know, they were bringing top talent off the bench, and we had Doherty at left wing back. So, you know, I think they just caught us at a good time. I don't think they really are that that solid this year. I think they've actually taken a step back. I mean, they've won four of the last 13 league games. That dates back well before any of their COVID outbreaks in December. So uh, what's frustrating to me is they were there for the taking. If we had a slightly deeper team or had a little bit more better luck on injuries, I think they were definitely there for the taking. They did not show me any any sort of cohesion or top quality that really scares me. I think they just caught us on a good week. Yeah, I mean, we're super, we're super unfortunate in the fact that we don't have Sun, Dyer, Romero, Rehilon. I mean, four Rehilon's good starters. Yeah, yeah. And three of our back five were injured. Or even Sessignon fit enough. Maybe he wasn't fit to play 90. I don't know. But I, I think that that was, uh, has been very lucky. It's been a bad month for in- injuries because probably our most important month of the year so far. Um, and we're not going to have those players uh, most likely. Maybe Romero's back but uh, in Regilon, maybe. But the next two fixtures we want to have. So let, let's preview Lester here. Um, Austin, how do we line up tomorrow? I think it's going to look very similar to how we lined up against Chelsea. I mean, whatever lineup we were going to run against Arsenal is what we're going to run tomorrow. I think if Rahilon's back, which I think he is, I think he starts at left wing back. Uh, But we're going to see the same back three. Dyer's not back. Romero's not back yet. I would expect Romero to maybe make it back for Chelsea, but I doubt they'll rush him back. I bet they'll just say, you know, Stay at home. He already wasn't called up for Argentina, so stay at home and be 100% healthy for after the international break. Um, and our FA Cup tie against Brighton, which will be our first match in February. Um, I think we're going to see Sanchez back in the center with Davies on the left and Tangonga on the right. The club, you know, sources have already said that the club is interested in loans for Tangonga, but nothing before the end of this week, which to me says that we need to use him against Leicester and Chelsea and then we'll loan him out. Um, so I think we'll see the same back three. Emerson's going to have to play on the right. And then I just pray to God that Regulon or Sessignon get the start on the left. Um, I would expect Hoiber and Skip to take the middle of the pitch, even though Winks has been playing better. And then you'll have Lucas and Kane with most likely Lo Celso up front again, even though I can't stand to see Lo Celso in a forward position. I think he, he needs to be a number. He needs to be an eight where he can dribble from deep, but I mean, multiple, multiple coaches now have seemed fit to throw him forward and roll the dice with that. And I just don't think that's his position, but that's where I, uh, that's kind of how I see us lining up. Uh, Chris, uh, anything different for you here? Um, no, not a, not the only thing oh, I think Hugo will be in goal. Hugo will be yeah, in goal. That's a pretty much done deal. That's, that's a set one. Um, the only thing that I would question, and it's just to question it for question's sake, is would you see Bergvine starting? Um, he's not been sold yet. No fee has been agreed. Um, so that transfer is not done. And Conte said he likes him and wants him to play. So why play Lacelso out on the wide right when you have a natural winger who could actually get out there and play? I mean, I get it. He's going to be rusty just coming back from injury. But they were also saying he was ready to go against Arsenal and obviously didn't get to play that game like any any of the rest of us. So 
why not give him a run out for uh, for Lester and maybe say Bergvon or LaCelso's legs uh, for the second half, something like that. I don't know. That's the only thing I could see. Do I think that's what's going to happen? No, we're probably going to see the uh, the five three two that we saw just like you said against Chelsea. But it's just interesting to throw that out there. Is could you see LaCelso, uh, Bergvon getting a start against Leicester just to have a more natural player in that position? I guess. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, I I would I would prefer Bergvon over LaCelso there. One hundred percent. <laughs> uh, I would also, if, if Rehilon or Sassinon can't start, I would also prefer Bird find a left wing back. <laughs> I'll take him. Yeah, that's fine with me. He's a he's a right footed player who's used to playing on the left. So I I still we'll get to transfers. I'm assuming later. I I'm still wondering why the thought hasn't been made to just convert him to a wing back and and keep him. Just yeah, me. or even I mean, can, can Bergwijn not be our Victor Moses? We're yeah, gonna buy a Dama Traore. Why can't why can't Bergvine play that position? And Bergvine has been proven to have more in product than what a Dama brings to the table. We're gonna spend thirty so. million pounds on on a roided up Aaron Lennon. Like, can we not just put Bergvine there? Like, am I crazy? I, I'm so excited if we get Traore. Yes, <laughs> I know I should. You are. This is gonna be a very polarizing uh, transfer should it happen. It's yeah, polarizing, I mean, I, yes, but if Conte wants him, uh, that's my that's my driving thing on this whole Conte thing. Conte also wants wants Doherty at left wing back. So why are we saying this guy's infallible? Okay, listen, he's won trophies, but he's played Doherty at left wing back for multiple matches in a row. So clearly, there's something wrong in his head. Okay, all, all, I'm say, all I'm gonna say, all I'm gonna say is that he's not infallible because because just no sane person does that. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so far, sorry. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about the Dar or anything. Um, I, it's, I, I'm sure Chelsea, I'm sure Chelsea fans were questioning Victor Moses for a while, but at least Victor Moses played on the right side. But anyways, uh, and, and, he has, and, he, and he has pace, which Darty doesn't. I mean, I don't even know what his FIFA pace is, but I imagine it's not too good. But yeah, so not to get a sidetracked on Darty, I agree pretty much with the lineup. I, I would say I, I, we forgot to touch on this, but uh, you know, and Dombele wasn't a part of the squad for the second leg of the Chelsea, which uh, I don't think was a big surprise. So I guess I'll ask you both. Neither one, none of us have him starting here. Do we think Ndombele will be in the squad for the Leicester match? Uh, I would say it's doubtful. I mean, even yeah. as early as today, they were saying he's having training sessions separate to just keep good form, and that's all. That's what Conte said about him. So, but Conte didn't say separate. He said he's training and doing video analysis. He didn't specifically say separate, but I would heavily doubt that Ndombele is in the squad. And he probably won't feature in the squad again until the end of the window. And if he's still a Spurs player at the end of the window, then there'll be a reevaluation, I would assume. Kind yeah. of like what there was in August. Uh, is, is there any chance that we see... Um, Delhi instead of Los Celso. I hope so. Yeah, especially against that. Chelsea. Yeah, he can't be any worse than Los Celso. Los Celso sucks as a forward. I'm sorry, it's not very objective of me, but he's he sucks as it's a forward. It's no, he he he's he's a taller Lamella, and I love Lamella. He just won a Puskas. Is that how you pronounce it? Puskas, Puskas. Yeah, it's all like that. Uh, but. 
but he he as a right winger he just gets isolated like at least with Delhi he's going to make runs off the ball I don't know if there's anyone in the team that can hit him with a pass uh evidence shows me there isn't but at least he'll make runs off the ball and and make the defense think and especially against Chelsea I would love to see Delhi because he's He's been shown to be a talisman against Chelsea. So, oh my gosh. Here's what, here's what I, real quickly, just to touch on Delhi, and then we need to uh, keep this thing, this thing chugging along here. But here's what I I do like about Delhi as a player. And I know that he has has been less than. Uh, is, is Fortnite game less, is strong? Is that what you're going to say? No, that's, that's not what I love about him. Uh, what I love about Delhi is that he supports Kane in the box with runs. Oh, in a system where Conte loves his wingbacks getting up and crossing the ball in, when all you're aiming for is Kane and I know Lucas can jump, but a five foot ten, five foot maybe that's generous. Oh, like you're, giving, you're giving him some, some inches. Yeah. Okay, five foot eight Brazilian, uh, and a Los Celso who I don't think I've ever seen Los Celso win an aerial duel. Then I think that it makes sense to play Delhi up there with Lucas. Absolutely. If not playing. It makes sense to play Delhi up there with Lucas and Kane because he gives you another target. He loves to make those runs into the box, whether they be early uh, or the run um, that you know behind the defense. And so, while I don't, even if Delhi were to start, my expectations would be that he scores. Is that it gives us another aerial threat, another person in the box for Emerson, for Rehilon to hit those crosses too. Well, um, so Colin, you're so right because why not play Lucas more centrally? Um, and let him run in the areas, you know, between the midfield and defense and put Delhi up top with Kane and have him run off. By the way, you're, you're, you were spot on the money with your second guess. Lucas is five foot eight. Um, I just looked it up. Um, but, you know, it, it, it worked for part of a match. Was it the Watt? Was it the Watford match? Which match was that, Chris? The Delhi started and he looked decent. I mean, towards before coming up. It was the Watford match that, that Ndombele got pulled off and walked off the pitch. Was that the Watford match? Yeah, that was Watford. Uh, that was Morecambe. That was Morecambe. Yeah, that, that was, was Morecambe. The, Delhi can can definitely do that. Now, my problem is, obviously, there's no one in the side to hit across to him. Right? There's nobody in the side, unless Regulon plays, that can put across. I'm not confident in a single player, especially a Dyer out, the ping the long balls, Romero's out. Emerson is still working on it. Like we don't have anybody to hit those to hit those crosses at Ellie, but absolutely he gives you more than Loselso does. Who's just gonna fall over every time he tries to strike the ball with any sort of power? The dude, is it an Argentinian thing? Because he does the same thing that Lamella does. The dude falls over while shooting every time, even when it's a free kick, he falls on the ground. <laughs> like at least Delhi will make some runs and make the defense have to to pull away from Kane and add space for Kane. I'm 100% on board with you there, Colin. And, I, and I'm not the biggest Delhi advocate, um, you know, this past season or two. I, I, I'm of the opinion that Delhi hasn't progressed as a player the way he should, but he does have an un, uncanny talent for finding space um, in between defenses and making runs off the ball. And so, I mean, might as well try to utilize that, especially Lester is so depleted, right? Like, why not? Yeah, that that's where I'm going. It's just like, yeah, if, if Sun was healthy, then I, I wouldn't even mention Delhi because I think it's Sun, Lucas, Kane. Uh, it's right. automatic right now. But if, if it's between Lo Celso and Delhi, for me, it, it should be Delhi. Uh, 
that's just my opinion. If you if you're gonna be playing a Conte style where he likes to throw throw crosses in, have someone in there to help Kane, so Kane's not getting double teamed by center backs or triple teamed if there's three center backs. Um, and that's what we've seen. It's just, we can't expect Kane to win aerial duels against three center backs, <laughs> or expect a, a wing back to hit a cross just to Kane. I mean, it's very difficult to hit those crosses. So, right. Uh, Leicester's injuries, Austin. Uh, do you have any information? Who who's out for Leicester tomorrow? Um, I'm, I, I was in the middle of trying to pull that up because they just had a slew of players come back. Um, give me one second and I'll pull that up. I think is Vardy out? Well, I think Vardy's out. Vardy, Vardy, I saw he. I think I saw Vardy is out. And they've got a they've got a laundry list of injuries coming up. Uh, Vardy is one of them. Uh, da, 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 da. Looks like I, I have no idea how to say his last name. Castagni. Yeah, he's, out. he's a left back. Yeah, he's out uh, for two months uh, with an operation on his thigh. So Barney is out. Um, Luke Thomas comes back. So Yanchu comes back. Dewsbury Hall, which I didn't know as a player, comes back. Potsandaka comes back. James Justin comes back. Um, those are all the players are getting back. Um, but that still means they have uh, Pereira's out, Fofana's out, uh, Vardy's out, Johnny Evans is out. Um, so those are four first team players easily. Uh, so aren't you coming back is a big, a big get for them. As is James Justin is one of their fullbacks, right? Yeah, right um, back. And Pat Zendaka obviously is a player with potential. So you don't choose the big name that they're getting back, but they're going to be without uh, Pereira, which is huge, Fofana and and um, Evans, which are, I think are two of their center backs, right? And then Vardy obviously is a big, big miss. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, Leicester, have, before we do predictions, just an update on Leicester's uh, home form. They've won f- their last five home games in the Premier League. Uh, I get that they're depleted, but we do usually enjoy uh, uh, we won last it was the last game of the year, right? Uh, Bale um, scoring two or three goals. I think we scored two or three goals in the last ten minutes to uh, secure this Europa League conference spot that we bowed out so gracefully in the, yeah. the group stages. Um, so, but their recent form, pretty good at home in the Premier League. Um, but uh, yeah. We, Conte really hasn't lost a match in the Premier League, has he? I don't think he has. Nope. I think he's just lost nope. those two Chelsea. Nope. Five wins, three draws so far. Yeah. So just those two Chelsea ties. So Conte's taking an unbeaten uh, Spurs team to uh, to the King Power Stadium tomorrow uh, to see if he can make that uh, nine matches in a row unbeaten. And here is where we land predictions, boys. Uh, real quick, real, I'll go first, yeah, go but just, just to get just to close the loop on this, uh, Leicester are missing four key players to international duty to AFCON. So Daniel Amarty, Wilfred Ndidi, uh, Mindy, and Enacho are all out for international duty. Fofana has a broken leg, as is Ricardo Pereira. I was last time you've heard of a team that has two players with broken legs at the same time. That's kind of yeah, crazy. Uh, J.D. Vardy's out with a hamstring injury. Johnny Evans out with a thigh injury. And Ryan Bertrand's out with a knee injury. That is one, two, three. 
uh, five. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That is 10 first team players uh, who are all basically starters out with either injury or international duty. Um, but then Castagna is also out. So that's 11. And Sumare is doubtful. So, I mean, that's 12 first team players they have out. Uh, they look to be playing Vestergaard, Albrighton, uh, in their back line. Dewsbury Hall, again, that is an amazing name. Don't know who he is in midfield. Um, Madsen is still in. Barnes, Harvey Barnes is still in. Lookman, Daka, that looks to be their front four. All right, predi- yeah, prediction time. Austin, what you got? Tomorrow's match at King Power. Um, 2 nil to Spurs. Kane will score a goal. Chris? Uh, I'm probably going to go 2-1. Two one who? Two one Spurs. Sorry, my bad. Well, I just gotta make sure you know. You know I don't no, wanna, no, no, I'm good. Yeah, two one, two one. I, I don't want us to lose two one, and you say you called it. So, um, I'm gonna go three one Spurs tomorrow. Three uh, one Spurs, and I think Delhi gets a goal. That's my bold statement. Oh. Old prediction, uh, sir. Not only does Delhi get on the pitch, but he scores a goal. Okay. Yeah, that's my bold prediction tomorrow. Uh, he might not even get a minute tomorrow, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. That uh, leads us into Chelsea on the weekend. Third time playing Chelsea in a matter of, I think, less than 14 days. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be like 10, 12 days, 10, 11 days, uh, 11 days. Three times in 11 days. Uh, we all know what happened in those first two games. We are heading we to Stanford. Yep, back to Stanford Bridge. Back to Stanford Bridge we go. Um, and probably not going to get a lot more players returning from injury uh, than we have for this Leicester match. There's a small outside chance that Romero is back. I don't think Dyer will be back. Sun's already been confirmed not to be back till after the international break. And... Uh, I think that's it, right? Dyer's son. Yeah. yeah. That's right. We expect, right? We expect Regulon and Bergwijn. Hopefully, Regulon and Bergwijn will both uh, be in contention. Yeah. So, heading to Stanford Bridge, we all know the trouble that we have as uh, visitors at the bridge. Um, we have won once there in the past couple of years, but prior to that, it had been like 20 or something years since we've won. Uh, I, I, I find it hard to. I find it hard in any sport for a team to beat another team consecutively three times, and especially in such a short span. So if I'm thinking glass half full here, that's my glass half full. Um, How do you expect this to line up here, Chris Austin? Same as Lester. Uh, Any changes? Obviously, Romero's back. He slots in. uh, And if he does slot in, who comes out? Um, I don't see too many changes. If he slots in, then I think Tanganga comes out. Romero plays in the middle. but the main thing I'm focusing on is that, again, Chelsea did not play well in either one of those legs of the Carabao Cup. We handed them two of their three goals, and we were decimated by injuries. And and you say we don't have many players back, but Regulon coming back is huge, right? Even if we don't get Romero back, Regulon playing on that left is a big deal. That makes them have to defend both sides of the pitch, which they did not have to do in either leg when Doherty played on the left. Um, having Bergwijn or Delhi in there up top would be would be a big change too uh, for them defensively. Um, I don't trust 
the fact that that they haven't created much against us in two games yet we handed them some some goals i don't see them beating us a third time i don't know if i see us scoring enough goals to beat them but i see this being a cagey kind of one one type draw um maybe we sneak a win but i i just don't see how they're going to be able to get you know the rudiger goal was was a scrubby goal right they've had multiple scrubby goals against us in the past two matches in the Carroll cup i think it's easy for us to kind of you know call that off and we've had much better form than them in the past two months uh honestly we are a better playing team than them right now we may not have the same amount of talent they do but our squad plays better than theirs does right now i just watched the second half of that match against Brighton that they had today, and they looked like they didn't have a clue what they were doing. Um, so my glass half full is that there's no way that they're going to be able to scrounge a third win against us in, in two weeks, three weeks. I, I kind of see this being like a one-one type draw, though. Yeah, yep. I I feel like since we've previewed Chelsea so much the past couple of weeks, we don't have to do a super in-depth preview. Right. It's more. Uh, uh, Chelsea are in poor form. Uh, to give you guys, just to give everyone an update on the standings, you know we have five less matches played than Chelsea in the Premier League at this point, which is honestly, uh, we were talking about it before we hopped on here, uh, kind of just absurd that there's we have five games in hand on a club in, in, at this point in the season, um, and they're 11 points ahead of us. So painting a not, a not only that, not only that, Colin, but since Conte came into the league. We played eight matches. They played thirteen, and they have how many points did I say they were ahead of us in our WhatsApp WhatsApp group? Uh, they have they have one more point than us since Conte came to the league, but they played five more games. Like they are in horrible form. They've only won four of their last thirteen matches. That's not just bad form. That's mid table borderline like that's not relegation form but that's like what someone 14th in the table plays like that is horrible form yeah we have to make sure we state that correctly um so in a world where it's it's perfect for a spurs fan we win at leicester we have four games in hand eight points behind chelsea uh and so a win at stanford bridge would then make it five behind Chelsea, who are our third, uh, with three games in hand, which is pretty crazy to think. All Did they not play this weekend? They play us. Oh well, yeah, duh. So we, but we, so we, we only have four games in hand. We have five. We're making one up. We'll still have four games in hand. Uh, yeah, we play Leicester tomorrow. Right, but that means that takes us down to four games in hand on them, and then we play them, but we're both playing a game, so we'll still have four games in hand after this weekend. Oh, yeah, you're right. My bad. Uh, that means, yeah, we could be four games in hand, five points behind. That's even better. I like that even better. Thank you. There Austin. you go. Uh, I, not, once again, perfect world here, but there's just such a paint a picture for uh, what could happen this week. Uh, and, you know, if we're, if we're nothing, we're optimistic. We have been optimistic in, in our tenure as a podcast. Very few times do we predict a loss. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and hope that we can do that. Let's do some predictions here because I do want to touch on this Arsenal uh, postponement before we have to run uh, this evening. So, Austin, I know you kind of teased us with a possible prediction, but we need to go ahead and get it on the record here. What's your prediction for Sunday 
uh, at Stanford Bridge. Uh, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. All right, Chris. Dang it. You took my, uh, you took my answer. I was going to say 1-1 draw. Um, since you, you took my 1-1 draw, I'll say 2-1 win. <laughs> I'm gonna go a two nil win. I like that. Delhi scores again, or uh, if Delhi scores against Leicester, he's definitely starting against Chelsea. So yeah, I'll say Delhi scores. Again. <laughs> I was actually gonna say I think a lot of our lineup in the Chelsea game is gonna depend on what we see tomorrow. Who I plays? Agree. Where I they mean, play? I just love watching Delhi play against Chelsea. Yeah. And if he scores a goal against Chelsea and throws another 2-0 up at the crowd while everyone's throwing shit at him, I'm all for it. Then he stays. He doesn't even have to ever play again. He just stays at Spurs and just mills about the, the training ground and just enjoys himself playing Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> all right. You heard it here first. Uh, Deli is going to score a brace this week. Uh, but... Let's uh, move on to the topic that we uh, have been just kind of fuming over and discussing on our WhatsApp, and, and it's been kind of all over Sky Sports, all over the internet. Uh, this postponement of the Arsenal game uh, didn't even think it was possible. There were some like rumors that they were going to you know, apply for it to the Premier League. They wanted the game to get postponed, uh, but based off of what I saw <coughs> with uh, you know just injuries, like we just talked about Leicester. And them only having one positive COVID case, didn't think it was possible. And then on my Saturday uh, gets ruined a little bit when I get the ESPN alert. So I think we're going to have a few different takes here. And I don't want to spend a, a ton of time on this because at the end of the day, we, we don't. there's no way to change this. But we can kind of highlight our thoughts on this and what we think uh, is really messed up, how it could be changed and fixed, and who's at fault here. So... Uh, Chris, I'm going to let you go first because Austin's been getting to go first on a lot of these uh, subjects tonight. So, Chris, talk to me about your thoughts on this Arsenal postponement. Uh, how did this happen? Whose fault is it? This Number one, the first and, and foremost, and I think we can all agree on this. I think most everybody agrees on this outside of Arsenal themselves. This is Arsenal's fault. This is all on them. Um, they have players going to AFCON, which they knew about. They had a laundry list of injuries, which every club has to deal with. They had one potential COVID case that they announced very hastily, which was uh, Odegaard, I believe. Um, and then they said they were going to, you know, we'll try and see if we can get it canceled. Um, prior to the match, their manager was saying we need to play the game. Um, I, I just. I, there's no account for the thinking. Uh, I don't know who. Greenlit this. I don't know who put their stamp on the paperwork for it and said this would this should go ahead and postpone. I don't know how it came about, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it sets a horrible precedent for the rest of the league that pretty much if you just feel like you don't have the players you want due to injury or whatever you need, claim a COVID case and let's postpone the match and we'll come back to it later. Um, did they have a right to? Request a postponement? Yeah, go ahead and put it in for a postponement. Was it the right choice by the league to approve it and move the game? Absolutely not. We should have been playing them. They should have had to play the teams that they, the players that they had, pull up from their U23s, play the match. They just knew they were going to lose, so they postponed it. Yeah. Uh, Austin, give me, uh, give me about a minute to two minutes of your thoughts. 
So this past weekend, Wolves played Southampton, and on their bench, they had exactly if, – if you take out Fabio Silva, who is an exception to this, they had um, a bunch of under-20 players and two goalkeepers on their bench because they could barely form a team, and they won 3-1. Uh, the other day, on Sunday, when we were supposed to play, Leeds – had a 15-year-old on their bench. They had to recall players from loan, and in the first 25 minutes brought on an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old, both for their Premier League debuts because of injuries, and beat West Ham, who are top four contenders, 3-2 on the road. The fact that Arsenal feels that they couldn't field the team when they loaned two players out a week before the match, knowing that they had an injury issue, knowing they had four starters away at AFCON. It just shows they had zero interest in managing their squad. They just terminated the contract of Kolasinac today, claiming, oh, he's only played one, he's only played 90 minutes in the past year because he's been injured. Well, is he healthy now? Can he get, can, is, he, is he a warm body that knows how to play soccer that can get on the pitch? Because now they're looking at postponing the match uh, against Liverpool on Thursday. It, it probably won't happen because the EFL Cup rules are different than the Premier League Cup, Premier League Cup rules. But now all of a sudden, um, all their injuries and their knocks, quote-unquote knocks that they received against Liverpool are magically healed. And they're going to be able to go through their game on against Liverpool. What I think happened was they didn't plan for AFCON. They knew they didn't plan for AFCON. They had a couple of key injuries in midfield, knew that they weren't going to be able to field a strong team against Spurs. So they loaned some players out that were on the fringe knowing that they bring their numbers down to like 14, 15 possible senior players, knowing if they picked up two quote-unquote knocks that they could ask for a postponement. And one of their most senior players getting a red card, a dumb red card for a high boot as the last defender um, against Liverpool. And granted, Jaka, who has five red cards since he joined Arsenal, by the way, uh, which is hilarious. Um that actually is what gave them the ability to to postpone the match. I mean, it's just it's a joke. Obviously, it's a joke from the Premier League because they wrote a shit policy. They wrote a policy that was meant to be for COVID protocols, and they allowed a ton of loopholes into it. Um, so clearly, the Premier League are at fault too. Arsenal are abusing a loophole, but they intentionally abused a loophole because. For right or wrong, they think that they were victimized in, de- in December, which is ridiculous. You know, every team has had to field some weekend teams in December. Uh, they've had some weekend teams fielded against them in December. So the fact that they have this victim complex and then manage the situation where they intentionally mismanage their squad and get rewarded for it is just ridiculous. Think about this. This is what I'm going to finish on. By the time we play them, the January window will be over. They're probably going to bring in one or two players. They're going to get all their AFCON players back, plus their injuries are going to clear up. So we're going to play a completely different squad than the squad that we would have played on Sunday. It's not like it got postponed for one for one day or one week. We're going to play a completely different team, right? Granit Xhaka is going to be on the pitch against us, even though he got rightfully suspended for a straight red card. So how is that fair? How does that show any integrity in the competition. It's a joke. And honestly, we're at the point now with the number of injuries we have. We had one COVID case. 
we could claim Regulon's got a knock, you know, um, Kane's got some personal issues, needs to go visit his nan up uh, up wherever she lives. Um, a couple of players are homesick. Someone's dog died. Oh, we can't field the team. Sorry, Chelsea. Sorry, Lester. Like, what's stopping us from doing that, right? Because that's basically what Arsenal did. They manufactured a situation where they got to postpone a North London derby when they would have had zero midfield. But guess what? Leeds just gave two deb gave two debuts in the first 25 minutes with substitutions and beat a top six team on the road. Wolves had to bring people back from loan and start to put two goalkeepers on the bench. You do what you have to do. What was that Brazilian team? Chapacanesi. I can't pronounce the name. They had half their team without their whole team dying in a plane crash and they didn't get the postponed for that game. That right. Chapacueta. Yeah, a couple of years ago. I remember. They that. didn't get a, they didn't get a single match postponed for that. Yet Arsenal has a couple of players that have little, you know, uh, nagging little ankle. Their ankle feels a little tweaky, so we're not going to play. Like, you've got some under-23s. You've got players that can play in different positions. It is absolutely embarrassing from their club. And if I were an Arsenal fan, I would be embarrassed that a Northland derby got called off because the club had no spine. It's it, it's going to make okay. – when the Northland derby happens, it's going to make it that much more – impactful and spicy they're absolutely Uh, embarrassed (laughs) we we gotta wrap this up but uh i'll give my two cents and then we'll close here um i i i um i think i put a hundred percent of blame on the premier league here i mean it it, yeah it's a crappy thing to do but it's a loophole in the system that the, the letter of the law that's written and the premier league allowed it so you could ask for anything in, in this world and anything from from your bosses or supervisors, but to allow this to happen is going to cause a lot of chaos amongst teams until they change this law or this rule that's written for COVID because now people can see that loophole and now like, where's the line drawn here? Where's the line drawn of when you can postpone a game or when you can't postpone a game? Or I think because this, this was meant to have this, this was drawn up, I believe because of COVID and the fact that they had one COVID case, it just kind of baffles me that, that the Premier League was like, you know what? Yeah, they have a case to, to have their game postponed. I don't really fault Arsenal for, for asking for it because uh, well, I think if the if the roles were sw- were swapped and we were in that position and we asked for it, like all you can do is ask for it, right? You can, if it doesn't happen, you play it. You don't complain about it. But if you ask for it and they give it to you, then it's – the fault of the of the Premier League in my eyes. The, I don't think the Premier League are totally I, I the Premier League are Huh? I'm sorry. The the Premier League are totally at fault for running a, a crap policy, absolutely. And bending over backwards to say to 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 double down and say and claim like, oh, we wrote the policy this way because of the long term impact of COVID injuries, blah 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 blah. We rushed Sun back from COVID, right? The thing is that Arsenal are with the exception of maybe Liverpool with their quote-unquote false positives, Arsenal are the only ones to really abuse this loophole, though. I mean, well, people talk about Burnley, I, I talk about Burnley or Leicester, right? But here's the deal. Leeds didn't ask for a postponement when they could have. Uh, Wolves no, didn't, right? Uh, Leicester's not asking for one this Wednesday. So I think most of the blame has to be on the Premier League, honestly, but you still have to put blame on the team that asked for the loophole to be like that abuse the loophole just because it's there doesn't mean you have to take it and my thinking is they mismanaged their squad on purpose knowing the loophole was there 
And that to me is inexcusable. So I don't think I, I wouldn't put a hundred percent on the Premier League because plenty of other teams are choosing not to use Leicester have four players missing because of AFCON. They have 12 first team players out. They could a hundred percent ask for a postponement tomorrow, but they're not going to. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that it's not a crappy thing for Arsenal to do. I'm just saying all the Premier League had to do is say no. <laughs> and well, they couldn't because they wrote a shit policy and they have to enforce their shit policy. They backed themselves into a corner, and Arsenal yeah. knew that when they asked for it. And Arsenal didn't ask for it until 24 hours before the match, when fans had already made a f- travel arrangements, that's, that's food had already been made, like. Okay. We gotta wrap this up, and you gotta quit interrupting me so I can wrap it up. I gave you your your, your five minutes. Uh, I'm not saying that. Um, I, I'm my concern now is that in the future, the the rest of the season, teams will use this as a loophole, uh, and will, because it's been used now twice with Liverpool and Arsenal, and so that this is not the end of it. Um, this is going to happen again, I fear, and it's just it's gonna backlog the schedule. Like we're gonna be playing games into. June and you know into June, so it just like it doesn't. We have four games in hand. <laughs> Five. Yeah, it just it doesn't bode well for um, just the integrity of the game because of this, and it's the Premier League's responsibility as the best league in the world, as you know the people that get to make the decisions to be like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. This rule is stupid. No, you can't postpone this game, and we're changing this rule. They had the right to do that. They didn't. They allowed it. They allowed. Uh, to postpone it, or they're like, "Hey, you have to postpone a game 48 hours in advance, or 72 hours in advance to postpone it that quickly with all of the fans traveling." I mean, I get the two clubs are five minutes away, but people travel all over the world to watch these teams play. Right. It's a North London. So it, it's just, it, it's almost like they don't care, and they know because it's, it's at the end of the day, it's a money-making machine. You know, so, one of two things is going to happen: they're going to either change the rule, and so no one else can be able to use it, and we're going to end up playing Arsenal at some point when we have an injury crisis or they're now changed the rule and everybody else just doesn't ask, act like little bitches like Arsenal did and no one else abuses the rule and they take the the lead from Leeds and Wolves and others that are actually playing through the crisis like everybody else and Arsenal get to be the last ones to abuse this loophole like the little little pansies that they are. Let's be Let's be honest. They're an embarrassment of a club. They really are. So we can all agree on that. And and I, I, it's not going to change the outcome of this match. In my, if, if anything, Conte is going to use this as fuel. So absolutely, I think absolutely. It, it, that's just my opinion. It doesn't really matter. It, yeah, it sucks not to be able to watch Northland and Derby when it's supposed to be played. It sucks for the tr- the fans that travel to watch it, but it's not going to change the outcome. You can have your players back. We're also missing four starters. We would be missing four starters for that game. So cool. I mean, we'll we'll take we'll we'll take our players back too, and they're going to be amped up. Um, because we're being optimistic happened. to think that we're going to have our uh, not have an injury crisis or some lasagna well, crisis but, or something whenever we end up to play them. Yeah, I mean, but, <laughs> but but they can have that too again. So I mean, it's I'm just assuming that we won't have four starters out, but who knows? Anyways, kind of crazy. Did not expect to have a postponement uh, of a North London derby, um, but it is what it is, and we have two games in four days, two big games away from home. Uh, to wrap up our January, because then we're on international break, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then our, our next, our first match in February is the FA Cup match against Brighton. So we'll we'll be back after Chelsea early next week to record and review those two games. Then we'll take a week off with the international break. Uh, we might spend some time 
next week. Well, we will spend some time next week reviewing the transfer window. Not a lot of movement, but it's really hard in January to, to make any moves, really. We, we might bring one player in, but it just it seems to have stalled. There's only 13 days left in the window. I guess 12 now if you're uh, in, in in UK time. But uh, there hasn't been any like real – I don't think we've made any offers yet. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, we, might actually, <laughs> we might actually touch on that uh, when we review – the Chelsea and Leicester game next week because we don't have any games to preview. So that, that'll be what we do next week. Uh, but Hey guys, it's been fun uh, out of a, out of a cup. Uh, but uh, top four is within, within reach and the teams in the top four are kind of just leaving the door wide open. Let's see if Conte can take us through it. Uh, and it starts tomorrow at King power. So uh, as always guys, we appreciate you listening. Stick around here, the socials, at the end, uh, stay tuned for when we record. It's usually going to be early in the week. And come on, you Spurs. Come, come on, you Spurs. Spurs.